Hi, everybody. This is Liz and Shana with the Birth Nurses. Good morning, Shana. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Great. Yeah. I am very excited about our podcast today because um, you are a IBCLC certified lactation consultant. So yes. you're my go-to referral, of course, for all things breastfeeding. <laughs> um, I love to start breastfeeding with my labor patients in the first couple of hours after birth, but it's always nice to be able to send them, as you know I do, to you for further assistance. Thank you for that. And I'm especially excited about today's podcast because I can start using your top tips for breastfeeding in the early hours Mm -hmm. after birth straight through going home in that first couple of weeks. So I like to start off early, get my patients... um, started and then be able to hand them off to you after they get out of the hospital. So I'm really excited today. Shana Brickner on top tips for breastfeeding. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Thanks, Liz. Well, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, the the early days, the there's the labor and delivery nurse to assist, and that is so helpful. Even the postpartum nurses at a hospital um, can help with breastfeeding, but so much changes once you get home from the hospital because your milk transitions from colostrum to Um, mature breast milk and then that's when people say oh my milk has come in in quotes because you always had the milk but um, this is when (laughs) problems tend to arise and they're engorged and there's the baby is starting to like choke on the milk or just have a hard time latching on so yeah these top tips that I have for you guys today it's more like I like to think of it um, kind of like music theory and music practicum I have breastfeeding theory oh I love that and then, I'm feeling that. <laughs> and then breastfeeding practicum mm-hmm. because there is some like knowledge you need to have about breastfeeding and what's going on with your breast milk and um, the baby's latch and then there's the practicality of it of seeing it yeah. and doing it which is yeah. also so important I wanted to just say also that as a labor and delivery nurse, we often think, oh, I labored, delivered, recovered. But if you've had a long induction, Mm. if you've been in labor for three days, if you've had a long labor and then surgical birth or a fever or hypertension, those first couple of days in the hospital are exhausting and it's hard to wrap your head around information. So we always say... A breastfeeding class helps clarify so many of things that uh, you're going to talk about today. Exactly. And we know that postpartum units often don't have the resources to be able to really zero in on those first few days. So, yeah, continue. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, so let's get into the first tip and and you'll see how this is going to shape your understanding of lactation. So number one, understand supply and demand. But in the lactation world, it makes more sense to say demand and supply. So as your baby is demanding your milk by suckling at the breast, it's sending this signal to your brain to make milk. And a drained breast tells your brain to make more milk. So it's not just the stimulation of having babies suckle at the breast, that's for sure important, but it's the the removal of milk that tells your body to make more milk. So I like to think of it like you're at In-N-Out Burger or some kind of fast food restaurant. You go up to the counter, you put in your order, and then you know you say, I want a double-double with fries on the side and a drink, whatever. And they yell out, okay, double-double, and fries well down. And, uh, and then you have to wait. You wait until your order can be fulfilled, right? And they bring you your food. So this is the same thing with breastfeeding. In those first couple days, your baby is demanding constantly colostrum from your body. And it takes two to three days for your body to catch up to fulfill all of those orders. So your baby is getting the colostrum by suckling at the breast and removing it from your breasts and transferring the colostrum into your baby's sweet little belly. Um, But then two to three days later, your body says, oh, I've been having lots of demands to to provide food for a little being, a little 24-hour need machine. I must need to make more milk. And all of your hormones start to activate and go into full force of making milk for your baby. And this is typically when women say that their milk came in around two to three days after birth. So... One of the things that I just learned after 30-something years in labor and delivery is that the empty breast is also what signals the pituitary exactly to make prolactin, yes. not only baby sucking on the breast, which also stimulates oxytocin, mm-hmm. but the empty breast yes. signal. So you want to empty it. Can we just digress for one second and talk about <laughs> the old adage of 10 10 5, 5 because what is that? I know there's What's 10, 10, information. 5, 5? Remember, well, this is like, you've had three babies and you've breastfed three children, but it used to be in the olden days, so I'm going to talk about almost 28 years ago when my child was born. 10 minutes on one side, 10 minutes on the other, then go five and five, and now we want to empty the breast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be switching it up, switching it up, just let that baby go until one breast is empty. So... The lactating breast is never truly empty, so using the term drained is a little bit better because Mm -hmm. even after 20 minutes on one side, let's say, um, Mm -hmm. there may still be more milk, but the flow of the milk has slowed down, and so babies usually signal that they want to go to the other side. For me and for most of my clients... Both breasts per feeding is considered a full feeding. 
There are, of mm-hmm. course, exceptions where one breast may satisfy your baby um, mm-hmm. because that breast was very full of milk and the baby got everything they needed from that one side and then you would just alternate every other feeding going to different breasts. But for most people, both breasts per feeding is okay. considered so, a full feeding. So now I know that a baby is feeding well has a good latch, suck, and swallow, mm-hmm. is, has a well-placed nipple, and they're going at it. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't interrupt that to switch. Right. Let the baby signal They'll, us yes, to switch. They will Thank signal. Okay. They'll kind of spit out your nipple and tell mm-hmm. you, I'm done with this hey. side. I want the other side. <laughs> that was the first course. Let's go to the second course. And then, Fantastic. even after the second side, if baby is cueing more hunger mm-hmm. cues, go back to the first side and you kind of do a round two and they're just going to get all those courses for their meal. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) So understanding let down reflex. Yeah. That's number two. So enlighten me. Yeah. So we have the supply and demand. That's kind of like the, the baseline of uh, your milk supply, but then the let down reflex happens during a feed Um, Mm -hmm. And it happens several times during a feed. So baby is suckling at the breast. And again, the signal is sent to your brain. Your pituitary gland in your brain releases oxytocin. And that goes down to your nipples. And you may feel a tingly sensation in your nipples. Oh, I remember that. Some people don't feel that, but... I used to call it my spidey sense because you can tell like, I feel warm. Like this rush Mm -hmm. of oxytocin is coming in the market, in the car. (laughs) And it can happen anywhere else. Exactly. (laughs) So once your oxytocin is released, you'll notice that this tingly sensation and that baby is starting to have bigger gulps and swallows because the milk has been released. So yes, the baby is getting milk in those beginning suckles, but they're lighter suckles. It's kind of like a massage to your nipple and that Mm -hmm. helps release the oxytocin. I like to think of it like um, there's a dam and the breast milk is behind the dam and your baby is Mm -hmm. hammering away at the dam and it takes 30 seconds to a minute of baby constantly suckling, providing that stimulation and then The dam is released because the baby provided that stimulation and now the milk is flowing. So this is typically when babies might get annoyed or impatient at the breast because they want the milk to flow fast. They're trying to stimulate the letdown reflex so that your milk will flow faster. So if your baby is really upset, really impatient during this time, you can help your baby out help your baby do his job by massaging your other nipple, your other breast, massaging the same breast and trying to um, cue yourself to release oxytocin. And even if you don't feel that tingly sensation when your milk lets down, you can know that it's happening because you'll see your baby get those larger gulps and you'll hear swallows. You'll even see their jaw moving wide open and then a deep swallow 
And here's a funny thing about the letdown reflex. When it happens in one side, it happens in both sides. Is this where those cups and those collection pumps come in? Exactly. So Okay, talk to me. Yeah, so a lot of people like to use the Haka, which is a silicone collection pump. Um, But I just discovered a new one called the Kindest Cup, and it's a different shape. So instead of like a long bottle shape, Mm -hmm. like the Haka, um, Mm -hmm. it's more of a a round cup that can fit in your bra actually and Mm -hmm. it has a little bit of suction to it so that when your baby's feeding from one side and your milk lets down when you start to leak from the other side you can collect that letdown milk and it doesn't go to waste it's not soaking your baby's legs and your pants um or you're not using a washcloth you know that's what i did oh i used to use a washcloth yeah i used a washcloth and just like um yeah yeah it was kind of like a waste of... It's so sad, right? You're yeah. wasting so yeah. much letdown milk. Oh. What if you collect That's like knocking that? over your pumped breast milk oh into the gosh. sink. You want to just Awful. break down and weep. So sad. Fantastic. So, so that's called the kindest cup? Kindest cup, yeah. And I oh, have a, a code that I can give you guys. It's not a discount code, unfortunately, but an affiliate code that I can link in the show notes. So look for Excellent. that and you can uh, check out the kindest cup. And you can use that as a way to feed your baby the milk, too. So it could be like cup feeding for your baby uh, with that letdown milk. And then if you want to avoid pumping with an electric pump, some people just use the Haka or the Kindest Mm -hmm. Cup to collect Mm -hmm. that letdown milk. And they use that for bottle feeds later because it's plenty of milk for those bottle feeds. So... Um, the letdown reflex happens several times throughout the feed and you can help to stimulate more letdown reflexes even when you pump by um, the the technique that you use with the the buttons on your pump which we'll save that for another episode but um, that's a little bit about the letdown reflex it's also called the milk ejection reflex which explains exactly what it is your milk is ejecting from your nipples. We really get such a sense of how the body and the baby get in sync mm-hmm. when you start to let down right around the time the baby needs a feed. It's and, amazing uh, how it's, it happens. It is, that used to just completely amaze yeah. me. Really, really at like the two and a half, three and a half hour mark, I could, yep. you know, it's like I really shouldn't be out and about then if I was to be able to get away for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I know that this is coming, yeah. but, um, and that, that takes a few days. But it does kind of give you a sense of how to manage your time. Totally, yeah. I love it. Ooh, more and more. Colostrum versus transitional milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tip number three, understanding that colostrum is so nutritious for your baby in those first couple days. Colostrum is what your baby is going to be eating. And you have colostrum from the time you're 16 weeks pregnant until your milk transitions to that mature milk. So in those first two days postpartum, it may feel like your baby's not getting anything. And this is a common time for pediatricians and nurses even to recommend supplementing with formula. But, excuse me for sounding um, blunt, but I think they're not quite understanding that colostrum (laughs) is the perfect first food for your baby and when we introduce 
um, supplementation, even if it was with donor milk um, or mature breast milk that is fuller volume, it's stretching out your baby's tummy and then they're going to be conditioned to want more food. So if we can go with your baby's stomach size and your baby is going to gradually have a bigger stomach days and days as they go on, um, your colostrum can be the perfect amount and the perfect first food for your baby. It's really thick. It's yellowish in color, so we call it liquid gold. Liquid gold. And it's a small amount, but it your baby's stomach is about the size of a cherry. So we don't want to stretch out your baby's tummy or overfill it um, with too much formula or too much breast milk. Um, let's stick with your colostrum. And, um, you know, sometimes I think I wish that breasts were see-through. <laughs> so that, oh, yeah, absolutely. So that we could see like, oh, yeah, my baby did get that colostrum or yeah. did get that milk. But we can look for other signs that your baby transferred the milk. We can look at how many diapers baby is producing. So it follows a pattern. This is like, yeah. these are gold nuggets I'm giving you guys right here. This is <laughs> straight from my breastfeeding class and my prenatal breastfeeding um, like lactation visit with clients um, look that goes with the pattern so baby on the first day of life should have one wet diaper and one poopy diaper on the second day of life we're looking for two wet diapers and two poopy diapers on the third day of life, we want three wet diapers yeah, and great. at least three poopy diapers. And then it goes on in this way until about day five or six when we want that many wet diapers, as many days old that the baby is, we want that many wet diapers and three or more poopy diapers. And we can look at baby's output to know like, oh, there must have been something going in if things are coming out, right? So that can be reassuring for new parents. I have a question about that. Yeah. What about the poopy diapers? Like, how do we know that it's the right kind of poopy diaper? Yeah, well, lactation consultants are skilled in knowing about breast milk, but also about baby poop. <laughs> so <laughs> let me tell you, the first poop is going to be meconium. It's black and tarry and sticky and you have to use like a whole pack of wipes to get it off I used of to your call it beach tar yes for those of you who grew up in california so sticky and you have to clean it off <laughs> your, get it off. your baby's <laughs> sensitive bum um really well and parts and all yes. the parts and then by day two it's gonna still be like dark brown maybe a little bit of that black color still by day three it's brownish dark greenish Day four, it's going to be like a light green. And when your milk is starting to transition around day two or three, and then your baby is processing that, digesting that milk, mm -hmm. it's going to turn your baby's poop a mustard yellow color. Hopefully by day five, day six, it will be that mustard yellow color, which is perfect breastfed baby poop. Um, and an occasional green poop is okay. We never want to see red, white, or um, consistently green poop. That would tell the parents, that would tell a lactation consultant, pediatrician, that something's going on. 
with baby's digestion, with the milk that baby is consuming, and we've got to address that issue. Um, now, once your milk transitions, it's going to still be a yellowish color, yellowish whitish, so it still has that colostrum in it, but now there's more mm -hmm. volume, there's more water being drawn into your breast milk. And so it's gonna, it's gonna be bigger volume and mm. still that yellowish color. And then we're hoping by day 10, day 12, it's this full white milky color like we think of when we think about milk. And um, now the baby's stomach is larger and has more capacity to hold more volume. So it's okay that you have more milk. Um, we're still gonna follow baby's cues and see like, okay, was baby satiated with that amount of milk? And maybe it is undone when your breasts still feel really full. Um, then that's, that's a different side of the picture. So we're always looking at, does baby have enough milk? And we're always checking to see your breast health. So breast health ranges from you know, engorgement to uh, mastitis, which is an infection in your breast. We don't want mastitis. Even clogged ducts can be pretty painful. Mm -hmm. So painful. Um, but so it, frustrating. Yeah, and frustrating. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. So we're monitoring um, your breast health by uh, massaging your breast. This kind of goes into um, a next tip on, this is a bonus tip, but um, you can be massaging your breasts at least once a day. And I recommend mm -hmm. doing this in the shower and starting from your armpits and moving towards your nipple and massaging in a circular motion to just examine. Examine yourself. Do you feel any lumps? Do you feel um, tender spots? Do you feel really firm? And hard in your breasts. We need mm -hmm. to work out those clogs, work out the firmness, help um, hand express. That means using your hands to express or remove milk. And then you're constantly massaging, even while feeding your baby, massaging so that um, the milk is encouraged to come out and go into your baby. Um, or if you were pumping, to go into your pump. So man, that was that was a lot in tip number three with that bonus, but let's move on to tip number four. And uh, yeah, tip number four, you see this, oh, Liz, go with gosh. the flow with cluster feeding. So oh my gosh, what is cluster I had feeding? Such a cluster feeding. <laughs> I used to say that to myself. What is happening? Yeah, what is happening? It took a while to stretch that out. Yeah, but I had a cluster feeder. Yeah. So with yes. cluster feeding, it means that your baby wants multiple feeds in a cluster of time. Or I guess you could say they're trying to cluster together their feedings um, in a short amount of time. So it's usually like three to five hours your baby would want to eat about every hour. And yeah. that is quite exhausting. But um, think about it this way. So we time feeding sessions breastfeedings from the beginning of one feeding to the beginning of the next so let's say you started feeding your baby at 10 a.m and it took 30 to 40 minutes 
to do a full feeding, both breasts. And then you're like, wow, my baby is perfect. She got the greatest feed just now. You swaddle her up, you lay her in the bassinet, and then 20 minutes later, she wakes up and she's showing hunger cues and she wants more milk. And you're like, are you kidding me? I just fed you 20 minutes ago. Mm-mm-mm. It actually, for your baby, is an hour ago because we time it from the beginning of the first feed so or of that feeding. So um, if your baby wants to eat at 10 a.m. and then 11 a.m. and then 12 p.m. and then 1 p.m., that is normal. It feels exhausting, but just know that um, exhausting. it's helping your body create the milk supply that your baby needs. So um, that's why this tip is go with the flow with cluster feeding. And then after that cluster feeding time of three to five hours of constantly feeding your baby, your baby right. has a fuller belly and then will have a longer stretch of sleep. So this kicks in, this cluster feeding desire kicks in usually on day two of life. Your baby has had that big wet diaper, a big poop, that meconium poop, yep. and now their belly is empty and they need to fill their their small belly frequently. And so cluster yep. feeding can start at day two and can last for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think uh, it was almost six or eight weeks mm-hmm. where I felt like there was a period of time every day where yep. I just breastfed. Yep. I mean, I didn't do anything else. And but it's a different there was time for each tunnel. baby. Yes. It's typically yeah, it in the evenings. That's yeah. when you have a lower milk supply and your baby can tell and right. is telling you, I need more milk. So that so I'm going to make more. So you have to make more. So you need that stimulation. Yep. You need the drainage yep. of your breasts to tell your body to make more milk. So babies are so smart. And when we can tune in to our baby's needs, that's when everything's going to get in sync. And then you can Absolutely. start to, you know, have more predictable blocks of time where you're like, oh yeah, my baby will feed probably around 7 a.m., 10 a.m. and have those like two to three hour blocks of time. But right. in those early weeks, go with the flow with cluster feeding because that's what's best for your baby and for you. And I think that you know, frustration and exhaustion yeah. and worry and why is this happening? And, you know, my friend or my sister's baby breastfed every two to three hours mm-hmm. or, every, you know, trying to relax and not get into a fear thing about it and ruminate about it and yeah. go with it really helps bring down those uh, those hormones. And that, yeah, it helps to release the, with stress. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want cortisol. I just had to we want oxytocin yes. to yeah. be the main player. Exactly. Yeah. And my lactation uh, consultant way back then, this is, you know, almost 27 years ago, was just, yeah, so do you have a very important place to be tomorrow? Right. I mean, what are you doing? It's like, oh, okay, right, right that's true. Uh, this is your job <laughs> She's like, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, watch movies. Uh, <laughs> watch movies and stare out the window and relax. Yes. This, this is what you're going to be doing. Yes. And it's like, okay, once... It was like, this is normal for you, and it's going to space out. That that was really sort of not only permission, validation, 
but it helped me just go, okay, we're just going to lay around and breastfeed yep. from 2 in the afternoon till 7 o'clock. Exactly. And then I got a little stretch till midnight, which, you know, maybe 7 to 10. It was not bad. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And well, I have a question yeah. about, uh, like, positions. Mm-hmm. I try to get my patients mostly cross-cradle, but I've been kind of laying that laying back position lately and... I don't know, for certain babies, it just feels really good. What's your yes. suggestion about how to change it up? What do we do? That's awesome. Yeah, I love that you're incorporating the laid-back position. I usually, I like for a new parent, I will recommend the cross-cradle position because I feel like you can get a good, secure hold on your baby, and you can also use your other arm to support your breast, to guide your breast into your baby's mouth. Um, So let me describe cross cradle as best as I can with words um, since you guys can't since you guys can't (laughs) see me. So with in the cradle hold, let's first talk about a cradle hold. That's the typical hold that you see, you know, holding a baby. The baby's head is in the crook of your elbow. Right. And so with if we were trying to breastfeed in cradle hold, it's a little more difficult because you can't quite get the angle Um, of the baby's neck and head with your breast to get a good latch. So with cross cradle, let's say you're gonna feed from your left breast, you're gonna use your right arm to completely hold your baby. So you have baby's hips tucked in your elbow, your right elbow. You have your thumb and your middle finger, pointer finger, bracing the the base of the baby's neck and then baby's nose is lined up with your nipple and then you're using your left hand to make a c shape and to cup your breast and kind of squeeze like uh this is a giant sandwich or a triple cheeseburger that we're going to try to fit into your baby's mouth so we have to compress the breast and now you're going to Tickle your baby's uh, lip, upper lip, with your nipple and wait for them to open really wide. So this is kind of my tip five and six combined. Um, Getting it in a good position and then getting a good latch. So the position impacts the latch. We need a good position to have a good latch. Um, So in cross cradle position, you can Mm. control the angle of your baby's body and then you can also guide your breast and control your breast with that compression Um, a laid back position is awesome though i love that um, position as well it does take a little more um, finesse i would say for a smaller baby to make sure that their head or their neck is supported so you have to be very much reclined in your bed almost completely flat on your back and then have some pillows under your elbows and then the baby is just like straight on you and Mm -hmm. and they can latch straight on that way and then when their neck kind of leans to the side say you're gonna feed from your left breast they'll probably lean to your left side so then their head can kind of be resting on your arm Um, in the laid back position 
But with cross cradle, with football hold, with koala, all positions, you can lay back too. So maybe yeah. you get baby latched when you're more sitting up and in the cross cradle. And then once you're, com- once you're comfortable, you lean back and you recline your bed or if you're on a recliner mm-hmm. chair at home or something, you recline back, put your feet up, and now you are relaxed, baby is relaxed, and gravity is helping to hold baby onto your breast so that they maintain that good latch. So with positioning, impacts latch, right? So tip number six, knowing yeah. what a good latch looks like. So a good latch, we want to see a wide open mouth, like a 140 degree angle, really wide. Right. And we want the lips to be turned outward. So we see the pink part of baby's lips, top and bottom. I call it a fish mouth. The fish mouth. Yes, we want to see. I love the fish mouth. That lower lip is all pouted out. and Exactly. And then we want the seal to be pretty tight around your breast. And we want it to look a little bit asymmetrical. So we call it breastfeeding, not nipple feeding, right? We want... Mm-hmm. more of the areola on the bottom to be in the baby's mouth, um, not just the nipple. That's going to hurt. Uh, if the nipple is just on your the baby's hard palate, that's going to really pinch and hurt. So we want a deep latch far in baby's mouth and, um, and touching the baby's soft palate. And so we'll see a wide mouth. We'll see those open lips. We'll maybe even see the the tongue the baby's tongue mm-hmm. resting on the mm-hmm. lower gums like that mm-hmm. and we won't hear any clicking sounds or uh, mm-hmm. smacking that means mm-hmm. that the seal isn't very good so if that happens if you don't have a good latch you can use your pinky finger and kind of hook it in the baby's the corner of the baby's mouth and then just pop open the baby's mouth and break the seal. So you're seal. breaking suction or whatever. Breaking okay, the suction. And we're going right. to try again. And it might take five to ten times trying to get a good latch. But you're not going to regret it. We want a deep, good latch every single time so that you don't have nipple damage. Um, that is, if you have damaged nipples, it takes a while to heal. And then you're also trying to breastfeed at the same time, and it's just a whole big mess. So let's avoid that completely by having a deep latch every time. And perhaps you have you feel like it's a pretty good latch, but then the upper lip is kind of tucked in. Just use your finger, your pointer finger, and flip up the baby's lip. And so you don't have to break the suction and try again. Um, right. You can just... Uh, troubleshoot the latch with your finger and try to get those lips really wide open. So no sounds, no, no sounds. smacking, mm-hmm. nothing that makes you believe that you have a poor seal. Right. You can break the seal with your pinky mm-hmm. and start over and you want to bring the baby to you with a nice wide open mouth. That's right. Baby to breast, okay. not breast to baby because that's going to cause you to lean over. over, hunch <laughs> over. So it's kind of when you're when you have that position and you're trying to get a good latch, it's a swift motion of bringing baby to you and guiding your breast into the baby's mouth. Um, right. So it goes pretty fast, and to try to do it in slow motion 
doesn't always work for a new baby because they're just like, I need food now. Blah. Um, so you'll get really good at this. I promise you will. <laughs> you will both learn to breastfeed by breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. You learn to breastfeed. Find a good lactation consultant. Shana Brickner. And um, that's amazing. I think that more and more, you know, labor nurses are trying really hard to yeah. uh, to get that breastfeeding session in and that awake alert phase. Yes. I think we're doing a really good job. I've been doing this for years and years, trying to get that first feed, even hand expressing some colostrum yeah. if the baby doesn't want to latch uh, right onto the breast right after labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful to know that there's lots of tips and tricks yes. to get it going. And there, there's people like you out there. Yeah. And exciting news for the past, um, two months, I joined in with, a an organization called the Lactation Yay. Network. Lactation and so Network. now I can accept insurance as payment and oh. you can have up to six visits completely covered by your insurance if you have Cigna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Anthem, and I think they just started accepting Aetna. Um, you can have up to six visits with the lactation consultant under the lactation network completely covered by your insurance. So, Which is so amazing, yeah. especially if you end up with difficulties or you mm -hmm. think you have mastitis. This could, this could be the difference between just avoiding a pediatrician or an obstetrical visit because you have sore bleeding or cracked nipples and how to deal with it. So this, this just, this is so progressive yes, finally. finally for the insurance yeah. companies. Yeah. If we could always get them on board with all kinds of different uh, birth education as well, that would be amazing. But especially for breastfeeding yeah. because you're birthing over a period of time and then it's over, but breastfeeding goes on for sometimes a very long yeah, time. That's right. And uh, I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Shana. You're welcome. I enjoyed talking so about breastfeeding. Fun. And I, yeah. if you have any questions, you can reach out to me um, via email or Instagram. I'll put all my links in the show notes. And I would love to help you with a lactation consult, either in person, if you're in Los Angeles, or virtually anywhere around the world so um contact me it's the and best part of this isn't yes, it yes I, I love it. when i have birth education patients yeah. from other parts of the country it's so fun um this is so much fun yeah fantastic okay bye, bye everybody thank you for listening to this episode of the birth nurses podcast if you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.